It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So I'm particularly fond of the title. Should I say that you came up with the title, Philip? I didn't come up with a title, Okay, no. so I came up with the title, Staring Down the Ring Wraiths, which is just it about is as cool. It is, and there's going to be all sorts yep. of like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien fans that will listen to this particular message, even though it really has nothing to do with yeah. <laughs> that. It's more just symbolic of that evil that is encroaching upon a culture. This little small furry-footed guy that is running for his life, trying to accomplish something noble, but he's being hunted. And that's, I guess, not altogether different than the way we feel as Christians mm-hmm. right now. I, I have Philip Hartman in the studio uh, with me uh, today, and Nathan and I just thought that this is particularly a, a great setup for Philip, this, this topic, evil encroaching, truth under siege, the breakdown of culture. What are you seeing? Just uh, your observations, uh, not just in this past year, but just in the the last season in, in being in leadership, being in other countries mm-hmm. and, and just seeing the church in its state. Well, I think the thought that comes to my mind is the way that, that God described the perverted priests mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, which was that they would call that which was good evil and that which was evil good. And you even see them, you know, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. So here you have the prince of darkness, the power of darkness, transforming himself, trying to look like light. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that all over the place, not just in our culture here in, in the Western world, but all over the world, of yeah. uh, this confusion between dark and light. Yeah. And these are, you know, people talk about the shades of gray yeah. and this, this cloudiness coming over our culture, where rather than a clarity on truth... It's whatever you think might be truth, or whatever you interpret as truth. So I think that's uh, obviously a huge issue that we're facing as a church today. I agree. So uh, what we're doing in our daily thunders right now is we're taking our Sunday message, which this week it was called the Hanging of Haman, and then we're sort of unpacking those ideas throughout mm-hmm. the week. And Sunday's message is particularly near and dear to my heart, being sort of that idea of how God turns all challenge, all difficulty, all the movements of the evil one into somehow, some way, a checkmate uh, mm-hmm. on the chessboard. I mean, how does he do that? It's it's amazing. But for us, what I wanted to do is sort of set the foundation. I have a clip from uh, the message on Sunday where we talk about uh, the big five. And mm-hmm. you and I both know yep. what that means, but I'd like to sort of bring our audience into what sure. the big five are. So let's let's watch that clip. There is a movement against us in this world of fear. Fear, I've never seen fear in this culture like I did starting mid-March last year, where it became hip and cool to be fearful. Lawlessness, I've never seen lawlessness in this country in my lifetime as I saw in this past year. Outrageous things that had no response to them and even a, a request to defund anyone that would do something about it. I mean, shocking, right? It's a movement against this world that we live in. We have deception, massive levels of deception that are so strange and bewildering, we look back and we don't have a word for it, so we just call it nonsensical, absurd, idiocy. We we lack terminology to describe it. Who would actually think that thought? But there are people in this world that are thinking it's deception. Murder and hate, 
There is a desire not just to try and coexist with people you disagree with, but to kill them. What is this? This isn't the America most of us have grown up in. It's like just emerging out of nowhere. Apathy. No one's doing anything about it. Wow, the big five. And they are moving in, and they have you on their dinner plans. <laughs> so, uh, well, in the message, I actually went in when there was more hope yeah, yeah. <laughs> than that. But, you know, one of the things that we know as Christians is that God wins. And so it really doesn't matter what the devil's dinner plans are. It doesn't mean the devil gets what he craves and he desires. Uh Actually, what the whole message is about is though he, just like Haman uh, in the book of Esther, is craving the destruction of the Jews, it ends up being Haman that ends up Mm -hmm. hanging on the very gallows that he erects to hang the Jew Mordecai on. And that turn, that plot twist is what we see throughout the scriptures. And so let's talk first and foremost just about those big five, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just your immediate response. And then could you begin to commentate? on the scriptural position, the Christian's perspective mm-hmm. on these elements. Well, I was thinking just as, as we were listening to that about um, what Paul talks about towards the end of Romans, where he says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan beneath your heels, which is just this really interesting thing that you have the God of peace, which <laughs> people would think, oh, that's, you know, peace. That's great. We'll crush Satan <laughs> underneath your heels. And so our God is the God of peace. Um, and the one who dwells within us is the one who brings peace. Mm-hmm. And and yet that peace is not just a, a, a harmony with all things in the world. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of the heavenly sort, yeah. which means even in the midst of, of bomb blasts, even in the midst of the most challenging circumstances, uh, we're unruffled, as That's it were, right. that we're able to reflect our God, who is the God of peace. It doesn't mean we're unmoved, and yet we're not, we're not moved from our position. Um, we, we certainly feel the challenges, and yet we're, we're secure, we're firm, and we are stable in our position in okay. Christ, and yet he will crush Satan beneath our feet. And so we're in this battle, and yet he is the one that's ruling us. And okay. so you have, it's almost like the two-sided picture of the Christian where on one side we respond as lambs, mm-hmm. there's a peace, mm-hmm. and on the other side we, we respond with fierceness to the movement mm-hmm. of the enemy, Amen. and we're prepared to crush him underneath our Amen. feet, not for our own power, uh, but in Christ. One of the things that we've talked about this past year is, you know, because we've gone through the history of our country quite mm-hmm. extensively, uh, and we're all very passionate about our heritage that we have mm-hmm. here. It's a unique heritage that we have, and we don't want to take that lightly. Even though it looks like it's going down the drain right now, we still cherish it. And it's a grief. Yes. Like we've, we've likened it to the loss of a loved one, where... You know, you can still rejoice and you can still say God is in control, but you're still losing something precious to you. And the liberties that we have are so rare in, in history. And yet we've enjoyed them. We've grown up with them, almost taken them for granted. But what's interesting is when you look at these big five, they're basically the spiritual powers that owned and operated mm-hmm. this land called North America. Before the light of truth came, before Christianity arrived, these are the ancient 
occupiers of mm-hmm. the territory. Fear ruled. If you study early uh, history of this continent, I mean, it is amazing to see even the martyrdoms of those yep. bearing witness to the truth. I mean, it's just startling stories of the the natives, the indigenous, and how they were controlled by spiritual powers. And just to see the power of Christ and his truth and his good news and how it's set free. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's politically incorrect to even talk about anymore uh, and to even reference those things mm-hmm. because now Christianity is on the outs. It's like, that's just a threat. It's trying to tame something that isn't supposed to be tamed. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to try and say that these people have evil spirits. You know, every spirit's equal and, you know, there's no difference as opposed to saying, actually, that's hostile. Mm-hmm. To the reason they were created, God created them to indwell them. He desires to be their yeah. captain and to be their lord and their ruler. But to represent the kingdom of heaven right now is so opposite. I mean, it even sounds awkward when you speak it. It's like that's so wrong. It's politically incorrect. So, what are you seeing the Christians' response being on the individual level and maybe the corporate level to an ever-growing political incorrectness that we are being tagged with? Well, it's interesting to even think about the early history and a men like David Brainerd, who, who wasn't martyred, and yet the men who came and suffered in yeah. order to bring the light of the gospel yeah. uh, here. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to think about that John in, in 1 John summarizes the entire message of Jesus as he says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That's his summary yeah. of the message of Jesus. Yeah. And and so how does the Christian respond? Well, if, if we're believers, we're going to be walking in the light, and the light is it's going to expose darkness. That's just the, the natural thing that light does. And yet, the same thing that happened to Jesus, they loved the, the darkness or their sin mm-hmm. rather than the light. Mm-hmm. And so they crucified him. Yeah. And so the light came into the world, and yet mankind's nature is to hold on to our sin, mm-hmm. to hold on to darkness. And so those who loved um, darkness crucified the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And now we are called to be those little lights, as yeah. it were, that right. as he's in us, we're to shine forth light, and it's going to expose darkness. Mm-hmm. Of course, we do it with humility and gentleness and love, but it's going to export, expose. Um, it, I think it talks about the evil deeds, yeah. um, exposing those things. And and so that's that's the way that we live. And so, you know, for example, fear mm-hmm. being one of the big five. Uh, it's interesting that when we live fearlessly— uh, is it Paul that talks about that it's a proof to those who yeah. are are dead in their sins mm-hmm. of perdition? Yeah. Uh, so so for us, we live fearlessly, and that's actually a, a proof of salvation. Mm. To them, it's a proof of perdition. Yeah. And so when you see somebody that's fearless and yet you're full of fear, the world doesn't like that. That's right. And and wants to put out that light. So staring down mm-hmm. the ring wraiths or the way for this message, staring down the big five. They're, they're pretty daunting characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they look like they have the upper hand. I mean, the church looks weak. It's against the ropes. It's, it looks like it's wheezing its last. What's our hope as, as Christians? Uh, as we as, Can we stare down these powers, which is the equivalent of saying, no, I'm not intimidated. I, I'm not going to uh, move a muscle as you, as you try. I'm going to outstare you. Yeah. What is the Christian's position in this? What is our hope? What is our promise that we can stand on? Well, I, I think it is that the God of peace, who we are in, yeah. will crush Satan beneath our feet. Yeah. That I, we have a living hope yeah. <laughs> we have it. I mean, we, we have it good yeah. in the midst of us because we look at him not only as something that we can avoid yeah. um, in our position in Christ, but it's something that we can conquer right. in our position in Christ. That's so, right. so Jesus says to Peter that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, gates yeah. are defensive. Yeah. 
And no. and so that means hell's on the defensive. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think we just have to survive a big five. That's right. But conquer the big that's five. Right. That we take it to the gates that's of hell, right. as it were. That's right. And and that's where the battle is. It's an offensive battle, that's not right. a defensive battle that we're the fighting. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Mm-hmm. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Maybe I should say mm-hmm. it this way. To the pulling down, the yanking down, the dismantling of the big five. There is not any power of the devil that is greater than what God has given us, because greater is mm-hmm. he that is in us than he that is in this world. Mm-hmm. If God be for us, who can stand against us? The mentality of the Christian is one that is nonplussed, is mm-hmm. fearless, is not moved and does not recede mm-hmm. at the threats and the boasts of the evil one. This is Amen. our hour. Amen. As the church. Well, thanks, Philip, for being a part of this. It's just Absolutely. and you're coming in on Friday again, mm-hmm. so yep. this is fun. And Nathan's going to interview yep. on you on Friday, so this is That's fun right. having you yeah. in studio like this. I think well, I'd like uh, our audience to start anticipating uh, more Philip. Uh, it's going to be great to have you. But thanks for being a part of this today. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Note that our live in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume on weekdays this coming June at the Ellerslie campus in conjunction with our discipleship training season. Thanks for listening.